Film Files, today is the day. We decided to do another one of these uh, Halloween Royal Rumbles, as we've called them, because we took on too much last week and we just had to come back. So we got somebody that you may know in the studio, so we'll just go around, starting with uh, Dakota, and say the last horror film that you watched. Ooh. <laughs> you might want to skip me for a minute, because I'm trying to even... Well, I'll, I'll start. My name is Jimmy, and I watched Jaws 2. Hi, this is Dakota Kuhlman from Exit Reality Entertainment, and I watched Shadow of the Vampire. We can call that horror, right? Yeah. Yeah, it counts. This one, it's I think a Willem Dafoe one, biopic, actually. Yeah. <laughs> the, I could say the last legitimate one I watched is kind of a crossover, but it's uh, The House at the End of Time. Oh, I haven't oh, heard okay. of that one. It's, it's interesting. I, I forget which country it's out of it's a south american country i know right very specific but <laughs> yeah um, we're gonna need to know which south american country yeah but the only the only unfortunate thing is um there was one shot in the film that gave away the ending i was like oh i think i know what's going on here and it was early in the film kind of like um what was it the, the visit? visit yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i can't go see movies with ben anymore he predicts them too fast <laughs> Uh, Zach, Warren, I'm back. Uh, He's back. I'm back. Uh, I watched uh, 1931 Dracula last night. So I wanted to uh, give you a second to plug your YouTube series and the oh, podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I have a web series called Abelis Bastard. Um, it It's on YouTube, but I had to leave YouTube for a bit because I got two copyright strikes. Uh, oh. One from MGM and then the other was from... Uh, God, remember who it was but it was too just like bragging rights thanks hollywood yeah exactly it's kind of flattering seeing mgm like removed garbage pail kids on copyright (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) i was like of all don't ruin the name (laughs) (laughs) but oh man that was a rough one uh but yeah it's beeless bastard it has a facebook page too you can go uh we upload the episodes there now um so that's just basically me i take on the persona of an angry like film geek and he just drinks and watches these horrible movies just and just tortures himself. Just a method actor. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and then um, it's fun. It's fun to do. Um, and then our podcast is called Geeks in a Phone is what it's called. Um, it will soon be on uh, probably either SoundCloud or iTunes. But for now, we kind of have – it's kind of like a visual podcast. We post images like what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So for now, it's just on YouTube. Cool. So, yeah, our podcast. We're at like episode 40, I believe. Cool. So, yep. Yeah, definitely check that out. So this is Movie Show Theater, and this is our intro. Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What we've got here is failure to communicate. Open the pod bay doors, now. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What do you want? You want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around and pull it down. What's your favorite scary movie? You've never seen a grown man naked? So, I don't remember where we left off with uh, last week, but Dakota was quick to point out that he wanted to talk about soundtracks. Yes. And I decided I worked hard on a segue into our soundtrack talk, and me and Anna went and saw Inferno last night. 
Okay. I'm just a sucker for the Dan Brown movies. I don't know. They're kind of dumb, but they're fun, you know. Sure. Um, this was definitely the darkest one. And the soundtrack was scored by Hans Zimmer. Again. Who's uh-huh. like... There's a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't quite go the Inception route, which I'm happy because every Tom Hanks drinks a does. cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Hans Zimmer's probably my second favorite composer. But it was all uh, uh, synth gore. Interesting. Oh, I, mean, I not, would not expect that. Not like... Film, um, no. Or yeah. from him either. Yeah, I know. That's very odd. Change of pace. And he I did think change of pace. He really did change his pace with... Um, versus the first two Batman flicks with The Dark Knight Rises. You listen to that. There's a lot more synth it's, than that. It's different. Yeah, it is it's very, way, different. It's very different. It kind of threw me off. But So it's... that was the first time that I've seen... I mean, I've seen that style... I think I first heard it in Drive, and oh, it's getting really popular uh, with horror films yeah. as like a homage to movies that inspired the director or the screenwriter mm-hmm. or whatever. But I've never seen that trend roll over into like thrillers, which yeah. was really – I mean it really worked. It didn't seem too discordant at all. But anyway, so yeah, that's – but horror with me is the soundtrack is the first – chance for them to kind of like grab me by the balls yes and get my attention mm-hmm. do, you, do you find that to be oh true? absolutely you know what i actually did something after we uh after we left last time i went i was like you know what something has really been bugging me it's not so much the visuals um per se but i went back and i started watching i started listening to like some of my favorite horror movies and i started listening back to the soundtracks just sat there dark room eyes closed you know like a creeper does <laughs> and um i listened to aside from you are absolutely right it follows is just phenomenal i oh, yeah. i th- think i i will admit i love the soundtrack not the biggest fan of the movie i know we t- kind of talked about why that was it was mainly the the actors the kids who were in it um but I list, I went back and I was like, man, why did I like The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2 so much? And I went back and I just plugged my headphones and ah, man, even thinking about it, I get chills. Like even if the movie didn't visually pop out at you, I challenge anybody to just sit and listen to the music because it'll mess with you. I, I think that whoever uh, James, James Wan, James Swain, whoever he's got doing both a his cinematography and b his soundtrack genius just absolute genius because i mean check that out and then uh what was the other one i think the subtleties of things like the original exorcist you only ever hear the tubular bells once in it or twice but aside from that um everything else is just audio tweaks and stuff like that so i don't think having an overabundance of music, uh, sometimes that can kind of ruin a movie for me too. Because then, just like you were saying, drinking a cup of coffee, and then you're like, dun, dun! it's like, why <laughs> is that in there? And especially with The Witch, I thought... Um, that oh. that kind of worked for that because it, it gave you this kind of uneasy feeling. But then there's those times where there's movies that, like you said, the soundtrack will either get me invested or not at all. And that's when you watch a movie that is utilizing a good soundtrack for a bad movie it's when they are trying to like well i don't really have a good story going here we don't have anything interesting going on so let's puff it up with music that was really well done yeah in order to save ourselves 
So, I imagine there's a lot of factors with uh, the relationship between director and music composer, and certain mm-hmm. ones just get it. Well, look at you know. uh, John Williams and Steven Spielberg for Jaws. Coming up with that theme, he was just like they, – they just sat there. He had a – he's like, here, just, let's, just, just, just give, me a, give me a second. Listen to this. And once he did that, that once the, on the, you know, the upright bass, that – and he's like, that's it. That's the shark. <laughs> yep. Like that's one of those things. There's something so simple about that. Well, it's interesting um, too when um, you have somebody who's established like uh, Christopher Young who did the music for Hellraiser. He yeah, did it's... like – he did the original mm-hmm. score for Sinister – but then most of Sinister's soundtrack is a collection of previously released music. Uh, some of it is, um, a lot of it's from a metal band called Over. Like they have this 25-minute song and it was cut up and put in certain scenes throughout the film. I feel like without that music, that film would not have the same impact because I, I kind of liked in I, that one how they used found footage mm-hmm, um, yeah. to explore you know, this Mr. Boogie, this character who is kind of like their own creation, their own myth. But I feel like if you took away those themes that are just, even if you listen to them alone, kind of spine chilling, uh, if it was just generic horror film music or just like those cues like, oh, look, it's a really loud violin out of nowhere, it'd just be like, oh, this is dumb. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, man, he he hit the nail on the head there at the Sinister score. That is one unsettling score. Mm -hmm. I still have not seen Sinister. It's pretty good. I enjoyed it. It's... Bagul, is that the character? Bagul, yeah, that's Bagool. it. I call him Bagel. Bagel. <laughs> bagel. Well, uh, my name is Bagel. I, I think you would like it, Jimmy, just because of the way they do use found footage in kind of a different way. It's it's not like the whole movie is found footage; it's broken up. Where you know, every there are stylized shots. It's mostly stylized shots, but without giving too much away, this family moves into a, a house, and uh, the lead who is played by what Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. He's an author. He finds this uh, box with uh, tape in it and he starts playing the tape and uh, it all goes downhill from there. Mm-hmm. He starts seeing Mr. Boogie slash bagel uh, <laughs> in the films, like popping up in different places. So mm-hmm. obviously he has to come into real life too yeah. and terrorize his family. Do so you think the nice thing about that too is that kind of went the, uh, like the Nick Cage uh, eight millimeter route to where it wasn't. God, your... I forgot that movie was a thing. <laughs> yeah. it wasn't, oh, but yeah. it wasn't your typical. See, there that that's a thriller that really <laughs> will get under your skin too. Um, but I don't know if that's because it's Nicolas Cage or if it's. Uh, but no, the what was cool about that with the found footage was that it wasn't your you know here's an sd card here's a, a you know a, a vhs tape here's something that you found on the internet they went all the way back to this, this is a film reel you need an old school projector to watch this yeah. here's you know a blank canvas or a wall enjoy and the, you know you kind of have to keep going through those ropes for him to keep watching that you know he's cutting the film and splicing it together and all that stuff trying to find these things that unless you know how to go back in and digitally edit stuff yourself um because he really did he didn't he have to kind of like learn how to do some of that in the movie itself he's like you know research and he's like he uh he had had a series of books and he like the whole backstory is that he his first book which was like a real life crime story was this huge hit and then he's mm-hmm. kind of been trying to replicate that success but you can tell he's a little bit past his prime and <coughs> Stephen <know>. King <laughs> <laughs> hey he's writing five novels right now all right guys 
All I can think is The Shining. And I might read at least one of them. uh, Dark Tower got a release date. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, February 17th. The end of the world is coming. Like if the Cubs come back when the World Series. Like Dark Tower comes out. uh, The Cubs win the World Series. If my Detroit Lions do anything, you know... (laughs) <laughs> look, look for the four horsemen. We're all doomed. We're all, woo, I know Ben is so nervous place. about the Dark Tower. I've just, I'm gonna. I think I might buy that today. I think I'm gonna buy that that uh, book. I think yeah. I'm gonna start it. I have, well, I have all of them. Me. I have all of them. If you want to borrow, any I think of I have them. like four books of yours already. I was reading. I've been uh, reading the Disaster Artist. Yeah, I, I blazed I that really, one because it's so good. I'm kind of nervous about that movie too. Yeah. Was have you about the room the disaster? Yes, yeah, written yeah, by yeah. Greg uh-huh. Sestero. Greg Sestero, yeah, I heard it's pretty good book. Like, it's it's really good. One it? of the funniest accolades, a Huffington Post said, quite possibly one of the most important pieces of literature ever printed. <laughs> so the story is incredible. Yeah, I well, mean, it, not to get uh, too far off the beaten path here, but um, I think one of the things too that you see is not just it's a story of the room. It shows the struggle of. You know, just developing a film in yeah. general. Uh, I guess it's kind of different than the path most filmmakers take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and his sen- his sentiment is interesting too, because there are plenty of times where you realize, oh, okay, this is why you like Tommy. This is your, the redeeming factors. You know, yeah. There's he did another movie too. Did you hear that? Tommy was so he's making another movie. Yeah, Best Friends. Yeah. Did you watch the trailer? I, I he, he had some like weird monologue in it or something. He, was, yeah. like, I mean, he had like a samurai sword and stuff. Oh, I didn't something. see that. Did you have you watched that? Did you know that there was a playing. there's a yeah? Did you watch it? <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. I, it warms my I'll heart. Get, I'll get around to it someday. Eventually. It warms my heart that he. Uh, <laughs> That they reunited, not because yeah. I like them individually so much, but the book is really not very. Maybe like once every twenty pages, it'll say something kind of complimentary about Tommy, <laughs> but for the most part, it's pretty ruthless yeah. as far as ripping him up. I can understand why, though. I can understand why too. Me too. Speaking just... of being ripped apart, yeah. Segway. Internal organs everywhere. <laughs> nice segue. So one of, one of Zach's uh, live Facebook reviews, which if you go to the if you go to the Facebook search for oh I just said that like my grandma. Are you on the Facebook? Um, and look for Halloween Challenge 2016. Search for Zach Warrant and find his Facebook reviews because they're hilarious. Um, why why is why is Dawn your favorite? Just of the three, Dawn of the Dead. Oh man, that's that's my favorite movie of all time. Like Dawn of the Dead is from '78. Um, I think it just spoke a lot of. Eh, there's so much. It spoke a lot of the times back then. Like it was a, it was definitely a reflection of. America at the time and still it, mm-hmm. it's still very relevant today of like basically the the zombies are like the shoppers are like yeah, it's, yeah. It, consumers it you know a lot just... about cons- consumerism that everybody's a bunch of zombies basically and then you gotta love the blue zombies they went from to the blue zombies with the uh, almost like pink blood <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh, I don't know it's just you know Romero having a bigger budget I think obviously he did a lot he did it's just I I don't know I just love it so much I love that movie so much I remember being especially creeped out by that one when I was a kid because like. Um, I don't think I ever got a chance when I was younger to watch Day of the Dead. And then even when I was younger, like, you know, Night of the Living Dead, I was like, oh, you know, this is kind of a fun movie. And there are some parts that are creepy, like, you know, when they're trapped in the basement. But for the most part, it's just kind of like, meh. 
It's 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 kind of like at that point I've been. uh, (laughs) (laughs) At that point, you know, I'd been watching. You know, um, one movie we might get to like uh, Reanimator movies like that. I was like discovering, um, you know, slasher films, not just the mainstream ones, but some of the ones that were like terrible. I mean, uh, we talked about it on this uh, this podcast multiple times, but I used to go into Family Video and. If the movie had, you know, certain cover art, it's like, oh yeah, Junior, oh, it's uh, this dumb-looking guy with the chainsaw. Of course, I'm going to watch that. Oh. Yeah, or ooh, Bleeders. This case has oh. a squishy little cover, and it stars Rugger Howard. This has oh, to be good. Man. Rugger Howard, what a hero. Um, <laughs> real, real quick, um, that uh, Ben brought up a good point. That reminds me of like going into family video as a kid, and just I, I would sneak away from my mom, and I would go and look, go to the horror section, and look all the VHS covers. Uh, the two I always looked at because they always freaked me out. I always go back. It's like looking at like a car wreck. Like I was just like, it, like you can't look away. Oh yeah, it was two covers. It was Dead Alive and <laughs> and, and uh, Day of the Dead. Those yep. were the two that I would always start because Dead Alive. If you flipped around the VHS cover, uh, mm-hmm. cover art. It had that guy who was getting his rib cage ripped out. Oh. And it freaked me out. I was like, how does a rib cage get ripped out? Yeah. You know what the, the one that really freaked me out for some reason was uh, Fright Night, the original Fright Night oh, cover. Yeah. Oh, that's great. The cover ghost art. and the yeah, – yeah, that yeah. was – God, what that happened to good. cover art? I noticed this with it's posters pretty... a couple months ago. Movie posters have gotten so lazy. Exactly. Yeah. And sterilized, oh, yeah. too, especially with horror. It's just like the same – uh, color palette, just like okay, we're gonna have lots of black, maybe some gray, and maybe a splash of reds. Like yeah, and a whole load of uh, smoke, yeah. so that that takes up all the dead. Space. It's censorship. Ooh. There's so much censorship, and not only that, there's like rules and insurance policies and all this stuff. I was watching this thing with the, uh, I know this is a little bit off course, but Indiana Jones and the Raider of the Lost Ark. There's all this stuff on Harrison Ford and all the stunts that he did. Yeah, for that, and the thing is that we, they wanted to do a lot more of that stuff with. Um, kingdom of crystal skull but because so many of the laws changed they had to do more stuff cgi yeah. um including the whip but there's this great <laughs> video where you see there's literally a video of them on set for one of the one of the original <clears throat> three and harrison ford his hat kept blowing off so he takes a staple gun and staples the hat into his head like literally wow. staples and does this Dedication, and he's like all right let's go and it was just like yeah that's that's how movies used to be made. Now, you know, it's, it's just so There's difficult. There's so many more eyes on yeah. films and than the there thing used is, to be, I think. I think yeah. with people like, well, I don't want my child walking into a yeah. you know theater and seeing that. And it's like, I don't know, cover their head with a bag or something. I don't know. <laughs> just, That's one thing I always uh, bring up in my uh, reviews every time I do a review, a live review, is like I always bring up the cover art. I'm like, yeah. I'm just, I always say that. I'm like, they're not what they used to be. Like I did that with Day and then with uh, a couple other films. Just One of the ones that freaked me out when I was younger was uh, Ice Cream Man with Clint Howard. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That is kind of a great movie. It is. And, and like a real... Intention. Scary enough, so. Yeah, he is super scary. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, I remember the original Friday the 13th cover with, like, the Jason outline yeah. and then the oh, woods yeah. inside of the yeah. outline. That's, that's awesome, yeah. Like, they used to uh, tell you something about the movie, and now exactly. it, oh, yeah. it's 
It's you uh, sound like a bunch of cur- curmudgeon old men. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Back when I was little at Blockbuster. Back, when we back in 1903. Blockbuster. <laughs> oh, that's... that's who so now we're getting better. old. God, I miss the smell of the VHS box. Uh, yeah. No. You know, if we can the, really geek out for a minute. Um, I don't know uh, if you like this smell, but like uh, fresh ink on a DVD. Like if you open mm-hmm. it, you smell the uh-huh. fresh ink. That's yep. a good yeah. smell, too. I, I, ho- I don't know if... <laughs> Blu-rays <laughs> don't have that. Have you noticed that? Blu-rays don't. No. Yeah, you're have right. It. It's very it's strange. It's I don't know if Yankee Candle Company listens to this podcast, but we're Freshly we're like placed. we're swinging you some ideas here. VHS ink, the candle, freshly opened VHS. Uh, speaking of being grumpy old men, before we started recording, we were talking about uh, remakes. Uh, Dakota had brought up the Jumanji remake, and oh, since we were, we were talking about best you know horror soundtracks, I just you know searched for Suspiria, and I guess there's a Suspiria remake coming out in 2017. Yes. Oh, yeah. good. Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I will say yeah. I, I did like the, um, I think, 2004, the Dawn of the Dead remake. It's, it's Zack Snyder's? Zack Snyder's yeah. first film. Yeah. Finger he and, went uh, from, he yeah, went from directing and making car commercials and stuff like that to finally landing that gig. And I got to say, I love what he did with that. Absolutely. I think he did some uh, just his his huge that one shot which is almost like it's like just a drone shot of her driving through the suburbs and yes. things exploding yes. around here that see people awesome. oh that's yeah. so cool it's almost like a camera like mounted on the back of the car like mm-hmm. like it kind of like almost like it hooks up yeah and the camera's up there yeah plus um, i gotta say really quick sure. opening credits of movies opening credits are where they get you and i gotta say that has some of the coolest opening credits yes. that I've seen in any type of yeah, just Johnny Cash. The blood that kind of was like they they did this weird thing where it's like they, I don't know how they did it, but it's like they they it's a weird yeah they did yeah. a splatter effect, but it was almost like you could see somebody with an airbrush like yeah. blasting uh, it away, and I really want to figure out how they did that because that was really cool. It's like some look like burnt film stock or something. Yeah. So it's like they're redoing a movie that most people that they're targeting have already seen. So you don't really need to set it up. So, I mean, I, I thought the, I just recently rewatched them too. Uh, and then we didn't get a chance to talk about them, but night of the living dead, the, I think big ones for me, why it was so memorable. Uh, we try to look at movies that have some sort of like historical significance. And a lot of times we don't, but a movie, that came out when it did that starred one that had a black man as a lead, a black speaking role as a lead. And then two, one that ends with a definitely not a happy ending. And that was so rare. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, It's, it has it had such a historical it was historical impact at the time like a cultural impact yeah at the time uh because like you said uh Dwayne Jones was a black lead you did not see that often in that day and that was smack dab in the middle of the civil rights movement yeah and that was edgy back then mm-hmm. to have a, a black male an african-american in a speaking role lead role in a film like that and and Romero even said he wrote it for mm-hmm. him so and and then what happens at the end I mean I don't want to Spoilers for movie. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna watch it tonight. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you you nailed it, man. It's definitely. But and I had forgotten too that in the uh... <laughs> oh, look at these, everyone dies. But guess what? They come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe not alive. Six but, more I mean... times. But the uh, I always gave Zack Snyder credit for in, uh, reinventing the zombie to run. But I guess there's two kids in Dawn that run. Oh. The, There's the two little, little kids. Yeah, the, the little girl in the, in the beginning. beginning. And, yeah, in the uh, woof. Yeah, 
Because I no the original yeah it's the uh, when they're in the apartment complex or whatever the two little kids run up on um, the black guy I forget his name Ken Foray and that yeah. was actually in the hangar that they were at the oh kids yeah ran yeah out yeah of the closet and they were like biting his arms and stuff yes exactly fun fact I actually visited that place and didn't you meet Ken Foray I did I yeah did it a couple times yeah that's pretty sweet a, did I talk about the Pennsylvania trip on the no podcast? I actually went to Pennsylvania this year with my best friend Travis. And we went uh, and went to everywhere they shot Romero Chavo's films. We went to Evans City Cemetery where they mm-hmm. shot the opening scene of Night of the Living Dead. We shot a little homage to our in our movie to the, there. I've watched that. Yeah, and um, uh, Monroeville Mall, mm-hmm. which I went in there. I just had goosebumps the whole time. Oh, I can't uh, imagine. It's changed a lot. It's yeah. changed a ton. And then uh, the hangar, which we said and it had a sign up saying that if you uh, trespass here, like it's like a, a it's federal government like property because mm-hmm. it was an airport, I guess, at mm-hmm. one point. And I was like, you know what? We're only going to be here once. I'm getting pictures. And yeah. I went in there. So, but oh. the, it was amazing. It was so awesome. Yeah. I have a geeky fascination for um, researching film locations before and now yeah. pictures. Exactly. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. I, Me too. Looking at the, Be- the city that Beetlejuice took place in <laughs> and then crying in my shirt when I found out they built the house as a set. <laughs> It's not real. I was going to buy that when it became a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel too, you know, like just zombies in general, if you have them run like they're training for the Olympics, like in 28 <laughs> days later, that makes things that much more frightening because oh, that's kind of like my yeah. main beef when it's just like lurching zombies. If you have at least a few who are running, yeah, I think that ups the ante a little bit because – even if you're watching a horror film and you have suspension of disbelief, you always say to yourself, if the, all the zombies are lurching zombies, well, just hop on a bicycle. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. That, that was the thing is that the 28 days and 28 weeks, that, that that movie really did, like the rage virus, scared the shit out of me. Can I yeah. get your guys' that, opinion real quick? Hmm. Are they or are they not zombies? Yes. Yeah. I have had that debate with millions of people, and I will go on record by saying that I don't consider 20 Days Later zombies. I don't think they're zombies. I they're think I with rage. It's almost like human rage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, you know what? But it, the, and same with uh, World War Z. That, yeah. Let's talk they, about a movie that I was really disappointed with. World War Z was one of them that it I was just like painfully. Avid. It was well, yeah, it the, was, see, and it was just here's it was just really flat. Well, there was no like emotional grab. Yeah, twenty eight days later, the fact they had real people running after you and stuff was really good. Yeah. but Game I don't. They, they had like. 95%, except for a few stand-in people, 95% of the zombies in World War Z were CGI, and it wasn't good CGI. No, it was it like, bad. we are spaghetti people, <laughs> yeah. you know? Like, they were just... Nobody, despite even if you're dead or not, moves like that. I mean, whatever happened to Rigor Mortis? Like, they did, literally, they were just like... Ugh. They cleaned up the zombies from Resident Evil and threw them in a film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Exactly. <laughs> So yeah, I, I feel like the when Night of the Living Dead came out and they're trying to give people this something new to be afraid of. I mm-hmm. mean, they didn't invent the zombie, obviously, but having zombies just period is enough uh, suffice to terrify us. But to satisfy a new generation that's like demanding more to be scared from, it's like they, you know, it, it was uh, um, adjusted for the new generation, you know, like walking yeah. zombies weren't enough. And I feel like Dawn was the the original Dawn of the Dead was the first time that they were able to correlate whatever this person did before they died and have that affect 
what kind of zombie they are afterwards. You know, right, and not just exactly. everybody moves the same way. Yep. I think that's kind of interesting. Exactly. Yeah, I think that really was scary because thinking about that is that a, when a human is running, eventually you'll get exhausted and just kind of give up. Even if adrenaline's kind of like pumping and stuff. What was so scary about that was the fact that they, they'll, they'll lunge into the water and climb up on the boat and get you. You know, no matter what. They won't stop. And that was just, ugh, thinking about that. There's just a few scenes in uh, the remake of Dawn of the Dead where you know they'll they'll do the bits where they'll they'll claw at the door until their nails are gone and until it's just down to the bone yeah. and that kind of desperation for food almost it's like I don't know if you've ever been chased by a dog <laughs> but it is that kind of like oh 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 you are literally that close I got to get out of here versus I agree with the whole walking thing it's just kind of at least in in the original Dawn of the Dead yeah. It flowed well enough to like like they they weren't slow. They actually did have some movement to them. And the closer they got, they started getting more and more like oh now they're the brains, you know. What really made Dawn the original Dawn so good too is like it's a huge step up from night with like character chemistry too because yeah. in in the original Night of the Living Dead, you don't really get too attached to the characters except for Ben really. Not in a positive way. I think you really, you really hate a few. Exactly. Like, like uh, can these zombies kind of hurry because <laughs> yeah, that yeah, guy yeah, needs yeah. to die right now? Uh, what's his face? Um, Cooper. Cooper in the original yeah, yeah, yeah. remake is a, just a terrible person. Yeah. And um, but like with Dawn, like the character chemistry is so well done. With you know, with Fran being uh, pregnant, they find out she's pregnant, and then you know. With two guys from a SWAT team, and then uh, one mm-hmm. who's just a uh, helicopter pilot uh, for the for the local news station. Just the, the different, you know, from different walks of life, just made for really good character chemistry. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I kind of uh, had forgotten about the significance of the first twenty minutes of the movie, especially the conversations on air. Yeah, and um, just the contrasting opinions and how each person kind of has their own valid points to make yes absolutely it's interesting too you talked jimmy about um those not really being the first zombie films if you go way back like going back to like white white zombie zombie where there's like maybe a (laughs) zombie or two and they just kind of stand there and step really slowly it's it's a lot different from you know Okay, maybe they're in a house and there's a zombie, a zombie walking down the stairs, or out in the open and a zombie as opposed to you're in a shopping mall and there are hordes of zombies. Yeah, that's definitely upping the ante in a good way. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess Italy uh, invented the zombie. I I would venture to guess because wasn't uh, it's, that it's like the twenties white zombie, like twenties or thirties? Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. So I think it's debatable. I, mean, I think White Zombie is like technically the first zombie film. <laughs> like Plan guess. 9 from Outer Space Zombies. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess <laughs> it's just the existence of zombies <laughs> is one thing, but like the coining the term, because they never call them that in no. Night of the Living Dead. No. Or probably not in Dawn. They don't know. actually no. in quite a few movies. They just like they've kind of thrown out the whole – Naming something a zombie because you—I mean, it was you said it, you hit it right on the, uh, you hit the nail right on the head uh, with the whole—they're not zombies in twenty-eight days later, right? What do you call those? Just like um, for Walking Dead, they—they um, they have to—they don't call them zombies; they call them walkers. But if you look 
throughout that universe, they'll meet other groups of people. They're like, oh, you mean chompers? Yeah. It's like, that's interesting. Everybody's got their own term for them, but nobody Walkers. calls a zombie. Yeah. I think yeah. in Romero's uh, Dead Trilogy, the original, I don't think a zombie is referenced once. The it's dead. always, they just call them the dead yeah. or just something else, but they never actually call them zombies. Mm-hmm. So I always thought that zombie was more of a, uh, not voodoo, but a hoodoo term anyways. Yeah. Because if you really think about it, Zombie was more a chemical, you know, composition that you used with a combination of, you know, ancient um, tribal witchcraft in order yeah. to get somebody to do your bidding. Yeah, that's you know, that's kind of more where the concept of zombie that's really funny. came yeah, that's from. Like literally, what the definition is. Yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, this is kind of off topic, but I'm really sad to announce that I have not succeeded with my 31 days. Oh, really? I didn't. Yeah. I, knew I wouldn't be able to. Maintain it. I've only watched probably like a. If you count Halloween Town, uh, I, I had to like count Ghostbusters and Hocus Pocus. <laughs> which uh, I'll stand behind Hocus Pocus because Doug Jones is in it, who plays uh, Billy. Yeah. And I knew that he had done a bunch of things, um, and so me and Anna are watching it because uh, that's her favorite. And I looked up his IMDb. It is ridiculous. From like. He was the creepy eyeball guy from Labyrinth, yes. or from uh, uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, wasn't he also? He did a uh, episode he was in of uh, Hellboy, yeah. He, he was Buffy, Hellboy. Hellboy, Buffy the Vampire Slayer with the Silence, uh, the Silence guys, or the there was the they were basically the guys in the suit and tie that just would smile and just be kind of like you know they won't talk or anything yeah. like that. They'd stole people like the Whispers or something like that, um, and they just did a Slenderman film, and he played uh, I can't remember the name of it. Um, I've heard. Hmm. I Slender did, did, Jr. <laughs> yeah, but Doug Jones played, it's, you know, Slenderman or what they defined as Slenderman. It was a, a little bit bigger, more Hollywood. Um, oh no! I rolled quick before you uh, talk about that Doug Jones thing. Word on the street: it's been very under wraps, but they're doing a remake of Nosferatu, and Doug Jones <laughs> is supposed to be Count Orlock. Yeah, you know I'm looking what? at the, I'm looking that, at the poster that, right now. You know what? I I. Interesting you brought that up because I just watched uh, Shadow of the Vampire, yes. Willem Dafoe. Yep. I talk about somebody who really <laughs> just really he, nails his role. He got, creeps a lot of people out, and I'm not surprised. But I heard he's like the nicest guy, but if you look at it, the guy's got a 24-7 Halloween mask on. I mean, he's yeah. just, you know, there's a reason why they had him play, you know, Norman Osborn, you know, the Green Goblin. <laughs> so where's my mask? Wait, you're not already wearing it? You're, you're good, man. Let's Go just spray paint your face green, all right? So, no, what I was going to say really quick, um, we just released online our – we made a uh, – so if you get a chance, definitely go to Facebook and look up the Pale One slash Exit Reality Film Productions. Um, if you go there, you'll find a link. Um, it's online. We just posted it for Halloween so everyone could get a chance to see it because we didn't get a chance to put it up um, when we first made it. But – it's probably not going to be as good as the one as Doug Jones was in, but it's still, you know, it was a lot of fun to make, and it was, uh, there's some really good stuff in it. Um, yeah, I actually watched it. It was really good. We don't have the budget that someone who was able to get Doug Jones um, <laughs> is able to, but we were, I think we knocked it out of the park for what we were able to do it, it with. Yeah. So, cool. I know we've had that conversation a couple of times um, with the, uh, the Speed Racer fan film um, and that mm-hmm. interview, like, I guess the good thing for filmmakers now is that at the very least you can do war- do more with a little bit less as opposed to the way it used to be. Um, so that's a really encouraging trend to see. 
is that even if you don't have hundreds of millions of dollars to make a, oh, Jumanji remake starring The Rock <laughs> and Kevin Hart, at the very least you can make a lot of things convincing that you weren't able to. Yeah. Yeah, and I think with the availability of the cutting-edge uh, editing technology that used to just be available to Hollywood is not anymore. And, I mean, to buy, uh, like, for example, the Photoshop After Effects, it's still like an $800 program, but I know you can spend 20 bucks a month and get um, the full After Effects suite, and then you get a portfolio website, and you get all of this extra stuff, so... It's just so empowering to anybody who wants to make movies. I mean, the limit the limit is your imagination now. Definitely. I, I mean, we also talked about, uh, I forget the name of the filmmaker. He's he's the one who makes those short films and posts them on YouTube. The one that we oh, watched. Oh, David Sandberg? Like, yeah, David yeah. Sandberg, you know, where the woman's in the frame. It's just, it's inventive filmmaking. You don't need tons of special effects. And I feel like if, if horror were to go in a direction that I would like would be that because how many great just filmmakers in general started in horror with no budget whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And once they were given budgets, you saw, wow, this person really has a vision, you know, and some people, some directors, uh, writers, whatever, you don't really need to give them all that much money. You could probably give them a 1990s handheld (laughs) and a notepad and say, make a film in 15 minutes. Be like, okay. Be like, wow, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Actually, real quick, back to what Ben was talking about, about, um, you know, tr- people starting out, like, in horror with, like, no budget and then yeah. going on to do other things. Big example with there is uh, James Gunn. He started out in Troma. Yeah. And that guy went on to give us... Forgot about that. Galaxy. Yeah. And the, the next yeah. four cameos of Stan Lee. Yeah. Exactly. That, I thought yeah. that was really cool. And the star of Project what an One Way. Yeah. Oh, wait. Someone else. That, yeah, I... Uh, James Gunn is awesome. He's yeah. so awesome. He's a big... Because he started, you know, with indie film and stuff like that, he's like a really big connoisseur of kind of, you know, hey, you're making a movie? Awesome. Versus like, yeah, nice for you, kid. Get out of here. Get, right. You know, exactly. he, he really gets it. Much less of a it. business and more of like a collaboration. Of yeah, he just something. likes to. And you know what? He's one of the few people that I saw right off the bat that was using uh, Facebook Live correctly. <laughs> yeah. Like he, look, he started I'm using a sandwich right now. Oh, God, this whoa, Facebook Live this. feature is like killing me. It's mm-hmm. there, there, there's a dude that I don't, I don't want to say his name because I don't want to embarrass him, but they are like just truly cringeworthy. Like I can't even watch them. It's just so. Are bad. they like real talk segments? Let me tell you my opinion on politics. No, <laughs> they're all like... corrupt. Here's a hot take. <laughs> yeah, no one else has said this. Well, what we were gonna try and do is I was, I was hoping we were gonna be kind of revolutionary with this because. Not a lot of people were still using Facebook Live, but it was just too hard to coordinate. We were actually going to um, – because there's stuff that we're doing right now for remote that's kind of a hostage situation. And we were actually going to Facebook Live because a lot of it is found footage with cell phones, GoPros, security cams, handheld cam, like every single camera on the you know face of the planet. And we were actually going to do a live broadcast of us filming parts of remote – live so it would actually look like the hostages were interacting with the audience and stuff like that and then we're like this will be a great idea until somebody thinks we're actually doing this and then we're like uh it kind of loses the facade if we have to go in and step in front of the camera and say this is fake and then jump back out and then have to keep doing that every five minutes and there's a lot of coordination we just couldn't you know invest the time in but i'd love to see if somebody actually would do that it'd be interesting that's even happened with 
I mean, obviously, you go back to War of the Worlds, but I think... Yeah, uh, that's where time, we got the idea from, yeah. Uh, I think... It, maybe it was the BBC did something like that, and there was such a huge backlash because this was way before Blair Witch. I want to say it was the early 90s, and it was something about um, a haunting. Not that there were millions of people who were traumatized, but I think they linked at least two suicides to this broadcast. Wow. I'd have to look it up again because I, I read an article about it a few weeks ago. But Orson. Stuff like that, it's, it's just I know. Well, we've done it again. We really yeah. wanted to do stuff like that. But then you really had to think of the ramifications of people taking it way too seriously. And we were thinking, you know, man, we're this. like I said, the coordination. We're like, man, we're going to have to have our cast tell their families not to worry before shooting this. We're going to have to, you know. Orson Welles is like, I've been there, done that. Yeah, but you can think that somebody walks into the middle of that and they miss the disclaimer in the beginning. You either have to do the disclaimer every five minutes or you just have to be like, eh, <laughs> whoops. Right. So quickly really looked at that Nosferatu poster and i gotta say i know we were talking about bad cover art but that <laughs> that got me it's, i uh i don't even know if that's like the official poster either that movie has been so under wraps i, don't I know. know what's going on well they said it was supposed to be released this year i think on Halloween. yeah and yeah. i was like i haven't seen anything about it Nothing. what what are they when are they going to release it where is it going to be released is it hbo is it netflix i think it, um, it's going to be good because um it's uh the guy who's directing it, I believe, he did a remake of Dr. Caligari. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, really? Guy, That's he, weird. Yeah, so I don't know if it could be – hopefully he executes it well. So we'll see, I guess. Yeah, I wasn't shocked. As, for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm hoping that the, the makeup that I saw was not the makeup they're actually going to do because um, it was almost a little bit too – see, the original was so good because you look at that guy and could believe that's an actual – Yeah person and i think that's where they got the, the just slightly exaggerated yeah, yeah just yeah, slightly just, exaggerated but that was so creepy about it is that they you could really believe the director finding some guy who looked like that and said that's our con orlock and little little uh trivia about that the reason why they didn't they were going to call that count dracula but um ram stoker's widow yep. wouldn't give them the right so they yep. had to change the entire story change the names all that stuff so we're basically seeing a silent version of the dracula story yep. until later after you know everybody died and then universal studios got a hold of the rights yep. uh bella lugosi took over yep. but was his name actually max shrek uh yeah the max shrek. Count or- man i just I don't know if he was in anything else, but I hate to meet him down a dark alley. I just, and then we got Blackula. The only, <laughs> the only Dracula film that really matters. You know, as far as vampire films go, I gotta say my I think my top three favorite, if we can get on that really quick, sure. is definitely um uh Thirty Days of Night. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Well, I really like that one. one. 30 Days of Night is just because that was the first time I saw vampires that were not um, either A, romanticized, or B, you know, the campy, cheesy, red eye, we can fly kind of thing. Those reminded me more of the uh, the rage monsters in 28 Days Later, except as vampires. I love the whole idea of them coming from Russia mm-hmm. and just yeah. go, going into Alaska and all that stuff. I was just like, oh, that that is a chilling idea. Or came up with the idea of, you know, hey, 30 days of no sunlight, where better to hunt? Um, there's that one. One of my all-time favorites, it still has to be 
uh, Lost Boys. Nice. Oh, yeah. I yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. love that movie. Little sister. <laughs> yeah, that one is amazing. <laughs> you know, uh, there's that one. And then, um, of course, like you said, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Well, no, not Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, that was a different one. Bela Lugosi's Dracula. The right, original the just one, yeah. Dracula. Because Bram Stoker's Dracula with oh, Keanu Gary Reeves Oldman. and Gary Oldman and all those. <laughs> Although, you know what? <laughs> In retrospect of that, you got to say that one of your one of my favorite spoofs was definitely Dracula Dead and Loving It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As much Can as I take I... your cape? No, but you may take my hat. <laughs> he just takes the wig off. I don't know why I'm so mean to scary movie, but I love uh, Spy Hard and Naked Gun yeah. and oh, yeah. Children of the Night. Reasoning what a mess news. they make. Well, I don't know. With, with scary movie, it seems like it just got worse and worse with the spoofs to the point that they were just referencing films that came out a couple of months ago. And yeah. They weren't really even spoofing the scene or saying anything, you know, like with most of the Mel Brooks stuff. Yeah. Um, that we've talked about. So it's just like, so they're just throwing a pop culture reference in there because they are, and it's supposed yeah, there's, to be funny. There's, there's no, no intelligence, yeah. 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 Remember one of the naked guns, and uh, Frank Drebin goes to a woman's house to investigate her husband's murder. And it's like 11 o'clock at night. She's like, sorry, it's so late, ma'am. We would have come earlier, but your husband wasn't dead then. <laughs> like, <laughs> Dude, that's, that's great. That's clever. Yeah. That's great. That's great. <laughs> but, uh Yeah. You got three, Ben? It's hard for me to name top ones, but um, I'm just thinking of recent memory off the top of my head. Uh, the original, let's write one in. Um, good one. Abraham Lincoln. Yes! yes! I love that so much. That I, was too good, actually. I thought it was going to be really dumb, which I was prepared to enjoy it if it was really dumb, but it was actually very, very well, well done, done, and I didn't yeah. expect to like it as much as I did. Oh, number three. Um, I might have to think on number three. Well, well, I'll just edit it in later. Okay. You just give me some time, and I'll just edit in work shed. It'll be <laughs> <Yeah>. fine. <laughs> Zach? Oh, you want three. me to give Yeah, this is going to be tough. I might need to give you a couple days. Yeah, you'll have to give me about a month to take it. Okay. Um, I think I have three. Well, uh, I know Phantom of the Opera is one. Well, are we talking just vampire films? Oh, are we just talking vampire films? Oh, I was just doing my top three vampire films. I was just talking about films. vampire films, too, like just ones yeah. that I could think of off the top of my head that have really impressed me i was i guess i was going for more i guess 30 days of night is a modern one trying to just get a good mix of vampire films but i don't i guess i don't really watch a whole lot of them yeah i don't either uh, number three twilight really good twilight bam yeah. <laughs> i want i want get my, out <laughs> i want my vampires to look like they're the vampire strippers glowing gold and stuff shadow the vampire no, I, I, I forgot fans, to huh? no i was gonna say the reason why i didn't bring up interview with a vampire is because i don't count that necessarily is that's why i don't bring up shadow of the vampire or interview with the vampire both of those i don't count those as horror um those were just those were beautiful (laughs) films yeah i think those kind of are set apart and if you take out the fact that they are vampires those are much more along the lines of being um eloquent dramas that are really more about the relationships involved and less about the fact that it's a kind of a creature feature um versus the ones that i kind of brought up were more you know they are what they are they're vampire slasher film kind of almost but um except for you know dracula which but i mean that was the original aside from uh nosferatu that was kind of the kickstart into you know frankenstein and all those and that stuff but yeah i don't i don't know I, i wouldn't consider 
I know Anne Rice was really against the idea of having um, Tom Cruise play Lestat. And then she watched it and she's like, I love it. I don't know what to tell you, but that is Lestat. I don't know how he did it, but yeah, I, I know it's it tricky. Either. I'm trying to think of like other I, good vampire movies. I really liked Thirst. I'm looking at a list right now. I'm trying to because uh, there are some Thirst. movies that I kind of watch and forget about, and that was one of them. Oh, I just I really, saw Vampire's Kiss. Have you seen that movie hmm. with Nick? That's all rough. I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. I'm oh, a yeah. vampire. <laughs> Where he's running through the street. <laughs> Salem's Lot, the book. The book, <laughs> <laughs> I, not, the, not the film, so I, much. I have to go with Nosferatu's probably my all-time favorite. Yeah, and then they better not screw that up. Uh, v- very close second, like that close. Oh, you guys can't, obviously can't see it the podcast, but very close seconds. Nineteen thirty-one Dracula with Lugosi, mm-hmm. and then. The third spot could probably be like ten different films, and that mm-hmm. would probably be. And I'd probably have to just go in like Hammer horror films with like Christopher Lee as Dracula. Those are probably my favorites. I'm really, yeah, there's for, one for vampire s- movies. You have a deep uh, respect for the Universal monster movies. Big I appreciate time. that big time. I, I'm I really missing one, and I'm it's it's gonna. Vampire. I'll end up calling you up later and being like, you know, I remember it, but is no, it the hunger? No, <laughs> I, I enjoyed, even though I wouldn't put it as you know one of the uh, better vampire. Yeah, films. and it's not the changeling either. Man, David Bowie, that's all you need. That's <laughs> so weird. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that one. That's a weird one. My, how much coke do you think they went through on that set? Oh, good God! <laughs> that's how they got paid. I'm pretty sure that <laughs> coke was drunk. incorporated into the budget. <laughs> yeah, I remember reading some interview with. Uh, uh, Dennis Quaid on in Rolling Stone, and he was talking about because he's a recovering alcoholic and drug addict, and he was talking about some of the movies of the eighties. Cocaine was actually written in by the studio as part of the budget. Wow, <laughs> that's and like, surprising. Though. Certain departments were allowed certain amounts per day, which is just <laughs> and that's hilarious. how they also negotiated the film rights for uh, Stephen King's literary works. I've, yeah, exactly. I'd oh, they've done a lot of stuff. I mean, I think it was True Romance where they did that. Uh, was it True Romance? One of the movies that they actually they they said they needed like all these cartons of cigarettes for you know the the shoot and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and then they they're like hey, we're gonna smoke them. They they didn't actually end up. I think they used two cigarettes in the entire movie. And, really? But yeah, that's not uncommon for back then. Um, yeah, Shining is uh, my number one for sure. Probably my number two favorite of all time. And, and I'm not a diehard Kubrick fan. We've talked about Kubrick and Shining plenty on, on this show. But mm-hmm. the just the layout of the hotel and the certain scenes that aren't overly obvious, but like windows where architectural-wise there shouldn't be a window. Yeah. And yeah. there's a scene where Danny is riding his tricycle and I get the movie kind of invented the Steadicam too, which is bad. But the scene where Danny is riding his bicycle and he's riding straight and he makes a right and then a right and he passes the main office where Jack loses his mind and then he makes two more rights and then he rides down this hallway and just on a very small spot of the frame, you can see that he's now upstairs and he's right up above where the office is, where he was yes. just on the main floor. So, like, just schematic-wise, there's so many things about the movie that are almost subconscious that, Mm -hmm. you know, because, yeah, I mean, there are plenty of Kubrick movies that I'm not crazy about, but he's not a director that misses things, you know? Yeah. Or that 
he put something there uh, unintentionally. Although I will say room 237 was kind of ridiculous. And about 45 minutes in, I was like, okay, Kubrick's face is not in the clouds. You're an idiot. <laughs> well, not an idiot, but, yeah. you know, some of them are like, Here's why right, Kubrick was an alien. Yeah, it's like, all right, dude, you need to leave your basement. You Aliens. need to go outside, take some breaths. Um, and then uh, a Blair Witch would have to make the list just because of its significance and, and the effect. Yeah. Which we Being don't have remade. time. Yeah, we don't have time to no, ask Blair. for Ben's opinion on Blair Witch. I'm afraid we already know. <laughs> uh, and <yeah>. then my <laughs> third one no, is just a revolving door of horror films. I don't know. Alien is up there. Yes. Um, Alien Covenant coming out soon. Yes. And they just released Set pictures photos. of the new xenomorphs and stuff. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm glad they're not doing them CGI again. They're actually going back to the original. Practical. We're doing this practical. Get ready for it. So, whatever Prometheus was. I enjoyed it, but I'm just like, it's not a prequel. It's not a sequel. But... Yeah, I, was I, I was entertained by it. I was too. I'll have to see it I again. I going on. I remember yeah. being furious when it was over and yeah. really, like, hating it. <laughs> but then somebody asked me why, and I was like, I don't know, because it... It wasn't alien, and it wasn't aliens. Was that movie. Until the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'll have to. Get it wasn't it what more. they said it wasn't going to be. Yeah. It was exactly what they said it isn't. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> I gotta go. Actually, we do have to go. That's yeah. about it. Yeah, horror movies of all time. It's just so difficult. Because it's once I think of one, I think of five more. It's like, oh, I can put Evil Dead 2 on there. I can put the thing on there. Arachnophobia. Uh, there's, so <laughs> there's the movie. Yeah, there's a, yeah, that was one that kind of like teetered the line of parodying itself. Yeah. You know, some yeah. of them do such a good job. It's like either this movie – I thought there's about a, uh, Halloween 3. I was like, all right, either this movie is kind of genius in parodying itself or this is like truly one of the – Biggest pieces of shit I've ever seen. It's <laughs> like it is just so convoluted. Unless it's having fun with a genre, in which case it's really witty and clever. Yes. So agree. I don't know. The answer is yes. <laughs> oh, I, sh- I meant I meant to name Halloween. That sucks. Me and Ben went and saw Halloween last year at Will and Ols, uh, and oh, there was like awesome. this there was like this teeny little sign that said with an introduction by John Carpenter. It was like forty five minutes long of John Carpenter. He talked a lot. It was just John like Carpenter about Carpenter. the Hollywood system and. Back in my day, you could do your own music and... And then they just ripped me off after I came out with Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> John Carpenter can do whatever he damn well pleases. Exactly. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Horror is constantly reinventing itself. It's it's just such a fascinating genre to me. And I will say, after last week, when we all uh, creamed over uh, uh, Mothman prophecies and yep. reminiscing, yeah. Yeah. I got Anna to watch it. It doesn't... Really hold up. I un- figured it unfortunately, would. the two the scene the chapstick scene was awesome, but there was like I've like held this movie on a pedestal for fifteen years, <laughs> and the whole movie is pretty lame except for those two scenes. That's why I'm really not watching it again. I because like Will having, Patton is awesome. I like still believing in yeah. Santa Claus. Okay, I'm leaving Mothman <laughs> yeah. Prophecy on its like undusted shelf. Oh, you know? don't. There's a scene where Laura Laura Linney is uh, telling Laura Richard Gere about. Remember when she was relevant? <laughs> But there's this scene where she's telling Richard Gere about this dream that she had where she was in the water and uh, – Presence. And, and Anna turns me and she goes, this movie is going to end with her in the water uh, surrounded by presence, isn't it? Are they going to fall off that bridge? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> of course Maybe. not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's okay though. 
So, uh, yeah, you can check out B-List Bastards on YouTube, uh, and you can check out Movie Show Theater on SoundCloud. You can check out Exit Reality on Facebook and other places as well. And uh, you can join us in the studio if you would like. You can leave us a message on the Movie Show Theater Facebook page, and uh, we'll get you on somehow. If you're not from around here, we'll find a way to do it. Uh, or just tell us what to watch. I don't know. We'll never run out of ideas, but it's funner when uh, we take suggestions. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so until next time, I'm Jimmy Malone. I'm Zach Moore. I'm Ben Snowden. And I'm Dakota Coolman. And this has been Moo the Show Theater. <laughs>